Hello and welcome to the Thriller Zone. It's time for our year in extravaganza. Look who's here, Tammy Temple. Hi. So nice to be in your space, David Temple. And I'm loving your little, uh, what did you call it? The Charlie Brown tree? Well, it's not really a Charlie Brown tree. I liked a Charlie Brown tree. This is a little micro live tree. Okay. Well, I like it. And by the way, folks, just in case you're wondering, we are under the same roof. You're going to watch. For those who are watching, you'll really appreciate this. Wave. <laughs> uh, we're trying to, you know, with uh, like I was talking to my buddy Anthony this afternoon, and he said, you know, one thing about you, Temple, you're always mixing it up. It's always something changing just a little bit. And I'm like, you know, you got to keep it fresh at all times. So anyway, happy holidays, everybody. And we've had this opening now eight times. Uh, maybe it's the fourth time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so here's what we're going to learn. We told you in our promotionals that we were going to be doing the top five books, films, and TV shows. However, because I'm not a rule follower, thank my church upbringing for that, uh, I've got top 10 books, films, and TV shows, and I think my young Tammy wife, beautiful and talented as she is, is probably going to match me with that. Would that be fair to say? I'm breaking some rules. Okay, good. Yeah. Breaking the rules, breaking the rules. We will be scattering some Christmas holiday music. I, I should say holiday music because I want to keep everybody happy because if I say Christmas, then I might offend some people. I'm a Christmas person, okay, so good. it's Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah and all the other smattering of holidays. Yeah, I just go with a big old generic Happy Holidays. A lot of people yeah. go, dude, you're you're leaving Christ out of Christmas. I'm like, anyway, this is, uh, we're both sipping coffee. We were going to do cocktails, but the last time we did cocktails for a show. <laughs> We've grown up a bit. We went off the rails just a wee bit. <laughs> just a wee bit. All right. I want to end with the top 10 books of the year because um, that is kind of what the Thriller Zone is all about. We intersperse shows, television shows, and films because Tammy and I are huge content consumers. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's a big pleasure in our household. We have a lot of dialogue around content. Yeah. We... <laughs> We have spent, we used to be the app, we used to be the cable people, then we went to the apps only, mm -hmm. and now we're back to the cable and apps, because you can't have enough content. Now we have 256 channels and 10 apps, so I think and we're covered. can't find a darn thing to watch half the time. Do you folks have that problem at home? Same thing? Yeah. It's just crazy. And I can't decide, is it that it is not particularly good, our attention spans are getting shorter, or we're just always wanting a little bit more? There's a lot of supply out there, David. And with the supply can come watered down product. Yeah. Yeah. That's why when we find something great, like a couple of movies we recently watched, it's so powerful because... It's, you know, back to the days of making an effort to go to the movie theater and watching something monumental and you walk away and you're just 
dumbfounded by how good the production was, the actors were. Um, It was a special treat. And now I kind of feel that way. You know, we, we hold on to a few movies or TV series, series that are going to be released because they have that promise. They're just going to be so impactful and powerful. Yeah. And the rest of the time, you know, shows are good and decent, but it seems as though there are very few shows that or movies that just stop us in our tracks. Yeah. Nicely put. Would you like to start with shows or films? Because we're going to end with books. Well, it's your show, so you drive the ship. Well, thank you. I was just trying to be a gentleman and give you a choice. So you want to you want to start with show? Let's start with television shows. You want to do a countdown from ten to nine on each one? Let's do that. Um, and and I'll tell you what. So I'll so I'll get things started with the television show, and this is my number ten as we make our Nate uh, way to number one on the year end extravaganza on the Thriller Zone. I'm going to start off with number ten, which uh, starts Sigourney Weaver called "The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart." Oh, good call. Remember that? Yeah. It was one of those times that you got to really see a a different side of Sigourney Weaver that I thoroughly enjoyed. That's a good call. Yeah. You didn't particularly get into it. I just don't think that you, when I was watching it, you were in the middle of a real busy period. Mm -hmm. But it is all the light we cannot see. Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed that production. Yeah. All right, my number nine is something we both share. I, it is one of the few times, that, and I am not dissing on her because I think she's a spectacular actress. It's just that I have seen her act in so many things where she was just kind of stuck in this one, what I call reaction. Has this look of like, uh, uh, like I'm standing on something that hurts my foot. That's just me. Carrie Russell starred in a show called The Diplomat. That's my number nine. That, yes, that is on my list too. Nicely done. Mm -hmm. And that's coming back. Yes, that's what I hear. Well, because it it was really good. It was good. What's your number nine? The Crown. Oh, God, great performances. Historical fiction. I really like historical fiction. I'm a buff, so... um. I've enjoyed The Crown. I don't know, you know, how much is spot on and accurate, but I think they've done a really good job and I've enjoyed it. All right. Now, my number eight, <laughs> I've got a little bit of commentary for each one. I, I know that comes as a surprise, folks. The original version of the show was led by a big movie star that a lot of people had a, a, a problem with as far as mainly stature. However, I liked him. But when the new actor came in by the the name of Alan Richson, the Reacher series took on a whole new uh, take. And there's something about Alan. I think it's the size of him. Part of it is the size. He's just a beast. And the part of it is he's he just, he feels like Reacher. Tom Cruise never really quite felt like Reacher to me. Mm. I'm enjoying that. I I look at um, Reacher, Jack Ryan. Was it the night agent? Mm-hmm. It's all kind of candy. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's good storytelling. There's some suspense. I'm not going to walk away from those series feeling 
um, heavy or it's not going to weigh on me for days. I think uh, Reacher's been fun to watch. And we enjoyed that series last year. We're enjoying uh, the second season as well. And yeah, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it reminds me of, and I have always been a Bosch fan, but it reminds me of this new Bosch legacy. It, mm. The legacy is not quite, in my opinion, not quite as strong as the original uh, Bosch. And that's another one of those shows you like, kind of candy-ish no mm -hmm. popcorn no real yeah. big substance you're not gonna you're not gonna walk away disheartened or torn apart good entertainment reminds me a lot of television series from the 80s and 90s but uh, i like Bosch too and i agree with you on that description okay. um so i i think you're right it's you know those are some series that you can rely on for just good storytelling easy to follow before you know it, the 30 minutes or 40 minutes or 60 minutes, whatever the format is over and you want a little more. So, um, I like those series. And I think this show could maybe fall into that a little bit too. the morning show. Oh yeah. I have liked John Hamm being mm -hmm. involved in this season I was ready for it to end. I think they put a dot on the top of the I or cross the T mm -hmm. rather well. And if this is where it is and this is where it ends, I'm good with it. And that's your number eight? Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Or seven, wherever yeah. we are. My number seven is, we're, we're starting with seven here. So um, I, it was nice to see this huge movie star come out of nowhere and do comedy because he's known for his drama, uh, specifically adventure action. And he's teamed up with funny man Jason Siegel in a show I loved called Shrinking. Cue the bell, right? About a therapist. It was just so so stinking good and Harrison Ford yeah. was phenomenal yeah I missed that one and it would definitely make my list I agree with you wholeheartedly and it's coming back and I'm really excited um for next season what's your number seven slow horses slow I knew it and actually, I thought your slow horses were going to be higher. Now, folks, here's 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 a series that we have a little disparity in our home. I like the actors. Uh, it's getting great reward uh, awards. It's just not for some reason. Sometimes you want to like it. It just hasn't hit me right. But boy, you have really enjoyed it. What is it now? The third? I think it's the third season. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's. Good acting, a solid storyline. It's not buffoonish. It's <laughs> believable. And I like it. Well, the believability is, so you have these uh, secret agents, so to speak. Uh, um, what's the MI5. MI5. However, yeah. they're the, the slow horses in the bunch. They're the rejects of the MI5, so to speak. And it's led by... Um, Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. 
I got to give it to this guy. You can practically smell him from your living room by the way he dresses and expends certain activities as he goes. But mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Um, are we on number six? I have three left. So you might have to. Okay. Give a few of yours. Well, here's my number six, and and we both enjoyed it. Uh, this guy is a lead actor. <clears throat> I discovered him years ago. I personally think he would make a superb James Bond. It's Idris Elba in Hijack. My research, I have to fire my research people because <laughs> I've missed two great ones, Shrinking and Hijack. I wholeheartedly agree with you on Hijack. And what is one of the things that we talked about that was masterful? Well, the fact that he's, the whole thing takes place on an airplane in kind of real time. Right. And it's it's just, it keeps you on the edge of your seat the entire series. Yeah. I agree with you. They had what, seven or eight episodes. It's a seven or eight hour flight. And it was just perfect the way they pulled the story together. Well, I have to pick up some slack over here. I'll go ahead and throw another one in since I'm ahead. Here's one that we both loved. Here's something that we didn't, when we first saw the premiere or the preview, we're like, "Uh, but since we both really enjoy wine and there's no real actors in it, Drops of God. Did I do it three Um, times? I just walk away right now because I clearly have not done my homework. Folks, why this is so funny is that she did her homework way ahead of me. I was doing mine like five minutes before the show, and she was like, I've got my list. Do you want to see it? I'm like, no, it's okay. Let me know. So that's why this is so hilarious. That was a great, that was a really, really good series. It was, it was impeccable. And you think to yourself, okay, well, it's a story about winemaking. Okay, but it is. And it gets you right up to the very last episode. Folks, if you haven't seen it, this is something you got to put on your list. It's called Drops of God. And mm-hmm. it is beautiful, poignant, powerful, action-ish, lovely. Oh. Yeah. Great story. And no shoot 'em up bang bang. You know, like no one's getting shot up by Uzis. There are no... um Molotov cocktails being thrown into windows. Like it literally is a pleasure (laughs) to watch. Yeah, that is so good. Yeah. All right. I think you probably caught up. So I'm going to be coming up on number four. So go ahead with number four. All right. So number four is something we mentioned earlier. And uh, when I first, the very first episode, I wasn't sure what I was going to think about it. But, um, and the was it the third season? We'll get to it in a second. But you got two superstar actresses, and then John Hamm joins the show, and it's the morning show on Apple. And the first season was good. The second one, right, was kind of good. And then it, it was it three seasons? Did we just finish the third, or is it the second? So. Okay. No, it's it would be at least the third. All right. 
either way, it was, and the lead guy, the bat, the lead Billy guy, Kudrow. yeah, Kudrow. who who, uh, who runs this TV station, has he's way more multidimensional than you originally thought, mm-hmm. but. John Hamm adds something. And if if you're not thinking Elon Musk when you see John Hamm, then you're not really paying attention. Mm-hmm. Great, great mm-hmm. series. I got three more. So where are you? You want to? I have three more. Okay. So uh, you want to go ahead and do your three or I'll do three? I'm going to shoot out of the gate with your honor. Beautiful. That's my number two. Tell me why. Good old-fashioned storytelling. Love Brian Cranston. Um, the ca- development of the characters is believable. It pulls you in. It's engaging. I like the arc of how um, in the first season the you have Brian Cranston and his side, and you have the gang dad on his side. And in the next season, it shows how the mother, who's played by Hope Davis, how she rises, she becomes more strong, confident, dominant. And she was always that silent domineering figure in the background, but she came to life in um, this season. And I liked it. I, again, like morning show, I think they've probably buttoned it up. Maybe the last frame of the series makes you wonder. Yeah. And we might have to, Put in a call to Joey to I see would, if we can get some inside scoop. But Your Honor, just hands gonna, down, great. I was just going to say we got to give a shout out to our buddy Joey Hartstone, who did a book called The Local. He was on the show when he premiered, debuted, and um, I was so impressed with that book. And then we've become friends. And yeah, he owes us a little call because we keep threatening to go hang out in the backyard there in Los Angeles. And talk about your honor, but boy, what a just a rock star television I show. Say, uh, pump the brakes, David. I'm on the other side of a writer's strike and a brand new baby, but maybe in yeah. 2024, we might actually yeah. be able to get in front of him face to face. Or, honey, maybe he's just too big for us now. We can give him that too. Okay. He's All a right. good dude. So, my number three is a TV show that I had a very good gut feeling that was going to be a hit. I don't know what it was. We turned it on the first time and I I don't know if it was both of us. I know Tammy was doing a little bit of, uh, I don't know, feels kind of cheesy. I'm like, yeah, but hang on because I think the cheese factor, pun intended, is going to add a little something to it. And you've seen her, the lead, as a uh, kind of a Marvel uh, star action hero but uh, Brie in Lessons in Chemistry, based upon an award-winning New York Times bestselling novel, is just superb. There are a couple things about Lessons in Chemistry. One is I love the fact that you acted with her in a movie, um, Remember the Days? Remember the Days, yeah. Uh, when, when she was just brand new on the scene. She was brand new, and it was funny because funny we are just hanging out, and and you could tell there was something about her. You're like, I think she's going to be a star. And so uh, there's always that rooting for her. Yeah. I like seeing how she's grown in commercials and movies. Uh, this series, completely delightful. Yeah. 
Um, hands down, again, easy escape, great storytelling. Nobody you gets know, hurt. No one's going to come into the house with, you know, guns and ammo. And it's just sweet, lovely, delightful. Yeah, it is a feel-good television show, which I don't know if this makes me sound like I'm getting old or not, but I'm finding, my, and I think about my buddy Rick Blywis, who he says, you know, mm -hmm. we don't really watch much violence in the home. And I say to myself, I, I can see why. I kind of get that. And the funny thing about this show is now it it really pulls you in. The characters are so deliciously crafted. Then there's one moment that just sucker punches you and blows your mind. And you think, how can mm -hmm. that possibly happen? Only to go on. And I think I really love it for this reason, besides Brie being a delightful actress, is the power of the woman. That's what I really have dug and seeing more and more of this happening. So kudos. Yeah. And for the time. Yeah. Which is the 50s. Let me jump in here and go my number two, which is your was your number three, which is your honor. So I'll get that out of the way for all the reasons uh, we talked about. So now what's your number two? I have one left. My number one is succession. What is yours? Same. <laughs> <laughs> Big surprise here, folks. Probably one of the best television series in the last several years. One of those series that it was, for some reason, had captured uh, the psyche of uh, America, not Americana, but the world, and pulled you in with these characters that just like seared your brain, right? It's so layered that we have watched the series over and over again from series one to up through current. And every time we've watched it, we've seen new things or we've seen a character unfold in a different way that we hadn't really noticed before. And I think that's because there's so much going on in each episode. I so loved succession that I watched everything possible about it. I watched interviews yeah. with the, with the crew. I listened to Kara Swisher's uh, succession podcast. I love her. And she did a great job of interviewing the cast, but also weaving in current day stuff. So for example, um, if there was something that was showing in an episode about technology or about the digital transformation or media, she would have media um, experts come in and talk about the reality of, well, how true is the show to what's actually happening or what could be happening in the world? Kara Swisher is fantastic. And the Succession podcast was awesome. So succession hands down there's our number one show of the year and i gotta tell you the lead of that care of that show uh has a phrase that is n a little on the naughty side there are a lot of my listeners who may not enjoy it the other ones i'm going to share that with you if you haven't seen the show but it's one of those phrases <laughs> that just says it perfectly when you want someone to get out of your face and um yeah, so there you have it. Um, hey, there are a few series that are coming up 
that I also am interested okay. in watching. So True Detective with Jodie Foster. That oh. series has always been really well done. So good. Um, that's coming out in January. Tokyo Vice is coming back. I was yes. like in COVID lockdown <laughs> and I ran, <laughs> ran through like all eight episodes or 10 episodes in a weekend. Um, and then Expats with Nicole Kidman looks thriller, high drama. And okay. that'll come out. I don't know when Tokyo Vice comes out. I know True Detective comes out in January. And then Expats will be in Amazon Prime. And that will come out the end of January. All right. Well, folks, we're going to take a very short break. When we come back, we're going to move into our top 10 films of the year. So stay with us here for the continuation of the year end extravaganza with Dave and Tammy right here on The Thriller Zone. And welcome back to The Thriller Zone, David and Tammy Temple in your year end extravaganza. Top 10 films of 2023. I'll start with number 10. This was gritty and dark and what I would classify as my guilty pleasure. I have two guilty pleasures on this top 10, but this particular one it was like something I had never quite seen before called Sisu. Yeah, so Sisu was also on my list. I don't know if I numbered it 10 or 7, but um, Finnish World War II hero. He's feared by the Russians. He's immortal. Um, he can't be killed by anything, much less the SS. And um, it's for sure an action genre. Um, there's a little bit of a political statement in oh, yeah. there, which I enjoy. And then there's a splash of female empowerment at the end. <laughs> um you definitely have to be in the mood and you have to be okay with in your face, just full frontal violence. Yeah, this is not a movie that uh, the kids won't watch or young kids. You don't want to do that. Your your mother's mother-in-law is probably not going to enjoy it. But if you like uh, really ultra-violent uh movies then you'll really get a kick out of this what he does with sh with shovels and blades is uh disturbing and quite enjoyable that's my number 10 what's your number 10 darling i have a few what i would consider like candy type movies okay. just you're gonna watch them because of either the the actors or the, you know, historical piece, like we waited forever for um, Mission Impossible. We completely love um, that series. And so I'm going to say Mission Impossible. Okay. Superb choice. And who doesn't like Mission Impossible? You know, we were talking about this. I have watched Mission Impossible since the... I'm going to say the TV episodes, right? Yeah, yeah. TV. So I want to say late sixties, early seventies. Don't hold me to that. But I mean, way back then when all that secret agent stuff and all the tricks of the trade were, uh, mm -hmm. so fresh and new. And so I, I, I never can, I can't get enough of that. My number nine is another guilty pleasure. Uh, Tammy and I, <laughs> Tammy and I once 
sat down. I think there are four of them. Sat down and watched the first one. Got kind of addicted to it. Rented the second one. And I think by the time either the third or the fourth came along, we said, let's just buy the entire series because we're going to watch them over again. You know what's going to happen. You know who the lead guy is. You know exactly how the movie's going to end. But John Wick. I wondered if that was where you were going. John Wick. I mean, Keanu Reeves just brings the heat constantly. And and I think by number four, see what you think about this. By the time we got to number four, and again, I'm a big John Wick fan. But by number four, I felt myself, felt myself going, okay, you've just now pushed it a little bit too far because there's too many machine guns da, 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 with 10 guys shooting at one guy and he's not getting hit, but he turns around and he makes one shot and he gets them at a long distance. And sometimes that suspension of belief is it's, it's even too much for me to handle sometimes, but John Wick, there's my number nine. I like John Wick. This, the first and second one, um, I liked the story. It was a good story. And there was a little bit of violence. The violence was secondary to the story. I think once we got into the third one and for sure the fourth one, I felt like I was inside of a uh, video game. Yeah, You you open up a door and you know, all right, it's going to be three minutes of violence. We're going to have shooting. We're going to have, you know, throat slashing. We're going to have everything. You're going to be impaled. And then boom, three minutes hits and now they've moved the story along. So that doesn't really appeal to me that much, but it was nice to just see where they took the story and if that's going to be the end of it. Yeah. You're number nine. Air. Oh yeah. The, The Nike story with Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, um, Rob Lowe was it, or Jason Bateman was in there. Not Rob Lowe, Jason Bateman. I liked it. Yeah. It didn't make my top 10, but it would have made a number 11. It was a good story. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number eight is something a little bit off the beaten path. I haven't chosen a lot of foreign films, but this one particularly got me, I think because it's, it was subtitled in Korean directed by a Celine song. And it and it start the reason I watched it and we watched it was the uh, the lead actress is someone from morning show that I really really loved and it's a movie called Past Lives and it's just a sweet powerful poignant movie about these two romance these two folks who fall in love and kind of fall away and then come back together again and it's I don't want to give too much away because it's really it, it's so enjoyable. And it's it's a little darling on the film circuit. So that, that's my, my number eight. Past Lives made it to my list too. And one of the reasons why I liked it is it just was like this lovely little roller coaster. You know, no real highs, no real lows, but you just kind of went along through the movie and the story And even at the end, you and I sat and talked about it, I think, for an hour. Like, you shared where you thought the story was going, what she was feeling, what her, well, what the other couple of characters were feeling. I shared my perspective. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Past lives. And I think it was on Apple. Yes. Am I up? You're number eight. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
on my list. Oh, such a sweet, sweet movie. I never read, I wasn't a Judy Bloom person. Um, I never read her books and I hadn't read this book. I really enjoy all of the actors in the movie. And it was just, again, super pleasant. Yeah. You know, you didn't have an emotional hangover after watching it. You just, you were along for a nice ride. Yeah, it was enchanting. That's the word that mm -hmm. comes to my mind. The lead actress was just enchanting and a coming of age story and just mm -hmm. warm and delightful and humorous. And I think it's something you should add to your list, folks. All right. My number seven is something that I... I kind of went kicking and screaming on this one. I was like, oh. yeah, I don't know that I'm going to like this, honey. Uh, I'm not sure I'm really going to get into it. And it was one of those movies that we said, okay, we have to watch this before our year-end extravaganza. Oh, so we watched it last right. night. Yeah. And Barbie starring the lovely, lovely- Margot uh, Robbie. Margot Robbie. And the other lovely, <laughs> Ryan Gosling, was- uh, and I think the reason I liked it, sure, it was great candy, bubblegum to look at, but mm -hmm. boy, the underlying message is so strong and palpable. I mean, women power unite for crying out loud. Barbie was on my list too. I wanted to watch it because of all of the commentary. Um, you definitely have to be in the mood. It's not a traditional setting. Right. It made me think think about um, how did this whole creation come to life for Greta? Yeah. And I loved her movie, Lady Bird. Lady Bird. Lady yeah. Bird. Yeah. Love that yeah. movie. Had yeah. that same sense of coming of age about that one. Yeah. And funny. And I would say something we all experienced in our households as we were breaking away from our families. So as it relates to Barbie, I listened to a really good interview with the director and creator, Greta Gerwig, I think is her name, mm -hmm. on Smartless. Yeah. And she gave a lot of backstory and background about this this actor or actress definitely has to be in, like where some of the impetus came from for the the actual movie and i'm glad we watched it yeah uh and if you haven't had a chance check out speaking of a great podcast is smartless um my number uh let's see so my number six is are you there god it's me margaret so we can just skip on ahead of that but that was just a, a just a mm -hmm. flat out charming movie so what is your mm -hmm. six well i'm down to four because we've talked about some of mine were consistent with yours. Oh, okay. So you're doing it that way. So, all right, then I'll jump ahead to my five, which is Top Gun Maverick. Great popcorn movie. Yeah. The first Top Gun, seminal piece. We were all there talking to Jack Stewart right there at your table mm -hmm. just weeks ago, a Top Gun fighter pilot uh, telling us uh, that the whole reason he went into the service in that particular mode was because of that movie. So it was really fun to be able to relive that movie, talking to Jack as we enjoyed and talked about Maverick. So yeah, that, yeah. I mean, if if you, everyone and probably in the world has seen Maverick by now, but just a fantastic popcorn movie. I like that movie too. So I have four left. How okay. many do you have left? I have four. 
So my number four is, uh, and here's another one that I thought it, and I'm going to, I'm going to get a little heat for this, for saying this particular phrase of, I thought it was a chick flick. However, uh, but I knew that with the two stars in it, I was going to really enjoy it because I'm a huge fan of Annette Benning and Jodie Foster. So the movie is Nyad about the gal who uh, swims the, uh, from Florida to Cuba. Vice versa. Cuba to Florida. I knew it was one or the other, depending on which way the current's going. But uh, not really. No. Just yeah. a spectacular uh heroic film that was my number four as well i really enjoyed it and i remember when she diane i think it's diana or diane um had a successful crossing if Mm -hmm. you want to describe it that way and all of the news reports and i thought at the time i could not imagine the training, enduring what she went through to swim for what was it? Two and a half days, like two and a half days straight. Great story. Well done. Annette Benning, Jodie Foster are believable and it, I would definitely recommend it. We're uh, inside the movie. She is almost to her destination and because of things that happen, I don't want to spoil it for you, but things that you would imagine would happen in the water en route uh, south to north was uh, unnerving. And uh, you would think any average bear would give up, and yet she didn't, and the rest is history, but a spectacular movie. Mm-hmm. My number three is something, another movie that we saw recently and uh, probably the longest movie uh, I've seen in a long time, starring two ginormous movie stars. Yes, it, star- it stars a lot, many more actors, but DiCaprio and De Niro in Killers of the Flower Moon. Wow. What an eye-opening and of course, we knew a lot of that history, but I didn't know it to the degree that we learned it. And it was, and and the three plus hours, actually, and except for maybe at one point, was not cumbersome, was it, Ben? No, um, we were definitely in the mood to be entertained, so we weren't antsy. We right. kind of knew what we were in for. We planned to watch the the movie. And I thought it was very well done. Unbelievable, some of our history and yeah. behaviors. It's incredibly tragic. Um, but I think they did an, a, an incredible job of sharing the story. To your point of tragedy, it is, and I'm not, I'm not going to go off on a soapbox here except to say this. It is a shame <laughs> That we as Americans, uh, as a world, have treated certain groups of people a certain way. I mean, it just blows my mind, and it's it's heartbreaking. And you know, I, again, I'm, I, there's two sides to every argument. We've done this with different ethnicities and different religions all throughout time. And uh, it's sad. And I think it's worth watching the movie to really fully appreciate some of those very things. And 
kind of the ignorance behind so much of it, but a spectacular performance. You can be sure it's going to clean up at the Oscars. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how the Oscars and, you know, just the award shows unfold. Yeah. There's a lot of good content out there and a lot of powerful content. And I think I'll just zip it when it comes to political commentary because I always have a few things to say and this just isn't the format for yeah. it. Yeah, it's a holiday. You're an extravaganza. And we're down now to the last two. And I bet you dollars to donuts that we've got the same last two may or may not be in the same order. But since I'm leading here, I'll go with number two, mm-hmm. starring uh, a, a guy that I got a little bit of a man crush on because the guy is not only gorgeous, but and I and I knew he was a great actor we've known he's a great actor for a long time whether it's comedic or serious and he's done more serious i think than comedic although he made a buttload on one particular franchise of comedy but when i saw him in a star is born when i learned that he had taken the time of research to learn how to sing and write and so forth but to be able to act and direct a film as powerful as maestro about leonard bernstein It is probably one of the most fascinating, beautifully crafted, thinking person's movie I've seen in a while. I agree. And that was my number two. I mean, number one and number two could be interchangeable here. I thought it's amazing. Uh, Just flat out stunning performance. I did not know the history of this individual um, and his family. I think we watched a couple of interviews on CBS this morning, maybe 60 Minutes. I listened to a podcast with Carrie Mulligan. And I mean, Bradley Cooper is an incredible talent. When you think about his acting ability, uh, he talked about spending six years and learning how to conduct you know, going into character and staying in character. Yeah. Uh, great movie. Yeah. Not only does he have the tonality and the gestures and the body language, but when he goes to direct the orchestra, you you would believe that, that he's done it his whole life, number one. Number two, one of the few times that you really get to see an actor disappear. I mean, he literally just disappeared into this character. Part of, part of that is because of makeup. Part of it is because you're so caught up in the story. But we grew up, my household, we grew up listening to uh, uh, classical music my whole life. So and big fan of Leonard Bernstein and London Philharmonic and all that stuff. So when I saw this, and, and again, I, I'm with you, Tammy, I did not know that much about his personal life. Mm-hmm. And my favorite part, this is when you know you're really onto something. His directing, the visual, the visuals of this. I had uh, heard a, we heard the same podcast with Carrie Mulligan. That was interesting. But then I watched this little feature with Spike Lee, ta- and Spike Lee was basically practically bowing to Bradley, saying, "This is one of the most amazing films I've ever seen." He goes, "I've seen it three times, one of which was at your home with you," and he goes, "It was just an amazing performance." Yeah, okay, but your directing has skyrocketed since *Stars Born*. I was just. Ooh. 
Now we're down to number one film of the year. And I bet you uh, a lot of folks uh, may share this number one. It is a big movie. It's another long movie. It's about a moment in time that has kind of changed the landscape of both politics and health, etc. And all I ever have to say, when it comes down to me sometimes, all you got to do is tell me who the director is, and, and I know I'm in this particular director, Christopher Nolan. Anything he mm -hmm. does, I love. So it's Oppenheimer about the guy who created the bomb. And wow, bam. I agree. I thought that was uh, an incredible performance. Great movie. I did not know a lot of the backstory building up to, um, you know, how the bomb was developed. I, I didn't, I, I don't remember any of that from, from history classes. So as an adult, it was um, very interesting to to learn a little bit more about that background. And then, of course, what happens is you and I watch that movie and we end up, you know, researching and getting backstory about that time period. So I guess that's one of the beautiful outcomes of watching a solid performance is the discussion that it provokes, as well as the research and the, the data to just learn even more about what was happening during that time period. There's one thing that happened in the film that I I I caught myself going, "Really, folks? Do you not know what an atom bomb has the potential to do when they're setting, you know, way back off the distance and they're putting some kind of a lotion on their face to protect and they're wearing sunglasses and hope hope I don't get, you know, my eyes get burned or, you know, it's atomic forces coming at you and their hair's blowing. And anyway, so there's that little moment. I'm like, where's the stupidity factor? However, they did not know at the time. But folks, we're going to take another quick short break. And when we come back, we've got our top 10 books of 2023. And Tammy and I are going to share a little extra something. I don't know how you've broken your list down, honey, but I have uh, I have a little bit of an ancillary thing built into mine. So I got my top 10. I also have um, a best debut. I came up with a best debut because, and because I've talked to so many debut authors this year that I just was really taken with it. And then I have one for most original. But anyway. I have documentaries as well. Documentary films? Oh, well, I didn't have that listing on my list. So would you like to do that real quick? How many do you have? Five. Five. Okay. So we won't take break just yet. Let's go <laughs> ahead and let's let's hear your top five documentaries. And, and I'm sorry, but I don't have any. That's all right. Because you watched the majority of these with me and you'll have some feedback. Last year, we talked about documentaries. Some of the political documentaries led the way for us. Um, this year, we watched The Pigeon Tunnel uh, about David Cornwell. Jean Le Carré. Yeah. Yeah. That was on Apple. And that was really interesting to hear about his background and what how he was raised and what was brought into his writing, like his life experience and his family. It, I thought it was very well done. Loved that. Mm -hmm. Big fan of the author. Big fan of that documentary maker. Yes. What's number four? 
Uh, Carlos Gosen, The Last Flight. This is about the auto exec, the CEO, president of um, Nissan, Renault. Remember when we watched that? Oh, yeah. Uh, so he's imprisoned in Japan. He escapes to Lebanon through a music equipment case. Do you remember uh, yes, this? Yes, yes. <laughs> and concert boxes. Yeah. yeah. So as you watch this, this guy goes from victim to villain, victim to villain, yeah. and back again all throughout the series. I thought it was really well done. It was interesting to hear again yeah. the backstory on how all of that came to be because we certainly saw it in the headlines as, you know, this guy escapes, but I didn't. Like, I wasn't really following his story when he was imprisoned in Japan and all of that. I just remember him escaping. We also watched, still, Michael J. Fox's documentary. Yeah, I didn't see that one. You were watching it. I think I came in at the very tail end of it. I would like to see it, though, but you really were taken with it. Yeah. It, again, it's like a, a peek into somebody's life that, you know, we've watched this individual rise. Since I mean, he was I, a kid. I think he's just a few years older than I am. Yeah. So, you know, to see his life um, transform. Yeah. And I'm sure as a public person, it's very hard to live your life and certain parts of your life in the public eye. No doubt, even harder in the last 15 years with the internet and social media. Like it would just be. Terrible. Horrible yeah. to go through hardships and have it painted all over um, media. And then 20 Days in Maripol, it's about the Ukraine and Russian war. I think I watched that too when you were knee deep and like editing for podcasts. <laughs> um, we are huge supporters, again, not to be political, but we're, we're huge supporters of the Ukraine effort. Yes. And so it's, um, you know, just seeing the reality of what is happening in that country is very interesting. Yeah. And then we paid attention to a couple of documentaries, like one stupid sex cult in, uh, like, I think it was outside of Albany in New York. And then Mother God, was that the one? Oh, that's, that is this one that I'm going to talk about. Love has won the cult of Mother God. I think both of these, you and I kind of dipped our toe in the water and looked at each other and said, WTF, like there's, there's no way in hell we'll spend time down going down this rabbit hole. I think it's because I grew up in that my whole life. So uh, a lot of the church religion scene I was in was so cultish anyway. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when I saw that, I just kind of cringed and kept moving through. Although I did, I did, I did. <laughs> catch a couple of really zany moments and I'm looking at it going, yeah, that's even dumber than what I saw. So, <laughs> and is that wrap your documentaries okay. in? Okay, cool. Okay. Folks, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get to that book list, top 10 books of 2023 right here on the Thriller Zone. Stay with us. And we're back here on the year end extravaganza with Dave and Tammy on the Thriller Zone. It's been a good one so far. Thank you for your input, darling. So good. You're welcome. Yeah, I always enjoy this. Now, 
It's been a year of content. Uh, TV shows, movies, as we've mentioned, and books. This is the hardest for me because I have a wall stacked full of books. I've got a storage department <laughs> compartment that is stacked full of books. And to mention your favorite books is like saying, is like having six children and going, well, these are my top three favorites. It's nearly impossible to do. So all I can do is pick 10 that really hit me. Now, mm -hmm. what did I say this year? Well, we're at about 162 episodes as of now. We're wrapping our sixth season. 2024 will kick off season seven, hard to believe. But in that, so if you figure four a month, so I've done about 48 or 50, maybe a little bit more this year. So it's hard to boil it down when there's so much good stuff but I'm going to do my best. All right, I'm going to start off with number 10, which is a guy who came out of nowhere. And I remember I saw him on a YouTube video sitting down to read an excerpt from his debut novel. And I thought, there's something about this guy. Maybe it was that he's cool and he's from the South where I'm from, although he's from Arkansas and I'm from North Carolina. Maybe it's the fact that I had beard envy because he has one of the handsomest beards on the planet. But then you read the book Ozark Dogs and you realize that Eli Craner is one of the master craftsmen of our time and is going to be a star for some time to come. I remember you talking about Eli and his work. Just a stunning, stunning book. You thought Don't Know Tough was good? I think. Yeah, Ozark Dogs is better. Bay, what's your number 10? You know, I approached books differently than you did. And I think understandably, like this is the, um, the feeder for the podcast. So, you know, I pulled out books that I personally enjoyed, whether it was, you know, we were able to do a little more traveling this year. Mm -hmm. So it entertained me as we were flying to and from different places. Um, so why don't you keep going and I'll chime in. I think I have a few to talk about, but I don't have 10. Okay, gotcha. So my number nine came from a guy that I met. Uh, he's a Texas boy. And when I read this book, it reminded me of something that, well, hmm. I don't really like to do comparisons much because it takes away from it. Let's just put it this way. This guy uh, grabbed me from page one and just bounced me all over the place like a ricochet. Taylor Moore. Ah. Yeah, good book. That's my nice. Number. That's my number nine. I'll keep going with number eight. Yeah. Now, I had heard this from this uh, about this author i'm embarrassed to say that i had not read her work i had heard that she was quite a force to be reckoned with um i started following her on social media and then i somehow started digging into her work and i went i gotta find out more about this so i reached out to publicity and so forth and they sent me a copy of a book by megan abbott called Beware the woman. And I got to tell you something, that was a page turner. Talking about a book that blends literary fiction with the thriller genre, 
so you could call literary thriller. It was she has she has a magical way with sentence structure, like very few people I've read. Remarkable book. All right, number seven is from a guy that has been on the show once or twice, maybe three times, but twice for sure. He wrote a book. When I mention the title, you're going to have images conjured up instantly. Happens to be one of my favorite movie franchises. And this guy delivers with the book, The Born Defiance, the author, Brian Freeman. I could, I did not want that book to end just flat out paced like a rocket ship. I remember that podcast. And he's such a nice guy, too. Super nice. Yeah, really nice guy. Talented author. Yeah. You want me to keep going? Yeah. All right. Now we're down to number six. Now, here's another guy that I had not read before. I was aware of his reputation. He and his brother are prolific writers. Mm -hmm. He is a mainstay. I call him a legend, and he's ridden me about that ever since. Ridden, not written. And we made a joke about it. I got to see him face-to-face -face at Bowser Khan, and he's as charming and lovely and hilarious as you can possibly imagine. The thing that strikes me the most is his graciousness. I mean, this guy is a rock star. We're talking about Lee Goldberg, and he's a rock star, and he, he doesn't act like it. You'd think, oh, he's not going to do that. He's not going to promote that. He's not going to help that, and he does all of that and then some, and I'm most impressed with this particular book, Malibu Burning. I love a heist story, and he delivers. This thing is tight as a drum, keeps going forward, and just great characters. Kudos to Lee Goldberg, number six. I remember when you did that interview, too, and you hung on that for a while. Just there's some people that you walk away from that leave you with such a great feeling, and he was one of those interviews. Yeah, just a yeah. good dude. I think I could jump in now, maybe on a couple. Oh, go ahead. One of the books that I read, we were, I think we were flying somewhere and um, I couldn't put this book down and it was literally reading it across the country. And then I had like a day where I just um, finished the book, devoured the book, Drowning with T.J. Newman. Also my number five, right? Just like you, I just... It, you you can't you can't stop mm -hmm. turning the pages. Yeah, that I really enjoyed her book Falling. I enjoyed her book Drowning, obviously. And there's like I would continue picking up her work, especially if I'm in that setting where I want to be distracted, I want a good story, and I'm going from point A to point B. And this is something that's gonna it'll be a nice escape. Yeah. And talking about a gal who came out of nowhere, flight attendant who is scribbling notes on her cocktail napkins. She has a great story, by the way. And big kudos to Shane Salerno and the Story Factory, who has become uh, not only friends of ours, but also a supporter of the show. And so a uh, special extra little special love there. But yeah, TJ just... You know, you thought you thought there's no way you could top of uh, falling. And then she comes out with drowning and you're like, well, oh, you did it. I mean, spectacular story.
Yeah, it was well done. And going to be a movie. The other book that I read, and I this was another cross-country leg that we did, All That Is Mine, I Carry With Me by William Landy. Landy yeah. 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 It was really good. He's a great writer. Yeah. That was haunting. Yeah. There's something about that. Haunting is a great word, babe. There is another one. This might be an edit, but it was... Um, the she was an attorney she is an attorney in seattle her dad is also an attorney he is um he's an alcoholic and um she gets a case from a uh, about a, a woman was murdered and so the husband of course is the focus of the investigation and it was the the chess component was a big part of the story and robert degoni yeah, Bob, Bob Degoni. Yeah, that is another book that I really enjoyed. Again, cross country flight. Yeah, you know, babe, you, you now you caught me because I forgot about that. And when I was doing my list, that was such a powerful book. Mm-hmm. Great, great character studies. It reminded me of like I don't know why. Do you remember what was that Paul Newman movie where he played the attorney? Absence of malice. Absence of malice. It reminded for some reason something about that uh, reminded mm-hmm. me of that. But uh, a spectacular uh, a book, uh, Amazon book. I'm going to jump in here with number four, my number four, which is a guy who wrote a book. He's written a couple of books. He's written several books. Another sh- shout out to uh, Story Factory because he is one of their stables of talents. But. Uh, I remember when November Road came out, I thought Lou Bernie. When uh, it came out, I was like, wow, this is magnificent. I'm like, he, you know, what has he got up his sleeve next? And we were mm-hmm. all sitting around waiting for his next book. Then Dark Ride comes out. And at first, I'm like, well, this isn't really kind of a thriller. It's, but boy, talking about a character, a lead character, hardly was his nickname. That you cannot forget. You 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 don't forget his. You, you just don't forget this character. Uh, I'm gonna pull up him. Um, well, and how the nickname is so apropos for the background of this character. You know, he's he's hardly giving any effort in right, life. Right. So um, it was very clever. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a great Lou Bernie, you did it again, buddy. And that that mm-hmm. has got to be made. That will be made into a movie. If Shane Salerno has anything to do with it, you can be sure. That was a good uh podcast too. Yeah. He really uh he was just so Lou was really um participatory. You know, sometimes yeah. you get people on the show and you you have a sense of, oh, I wonder if they're like quiet and an introvert and you're going to have to pull information out of them. And I kind of thought that might be Lou, but then once you got him on, he's totally different than what I thought he was going to be. And a sense of humor. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Gregarious and yeah. I, I, I don't know if he drinks or not, but boy, I'd <laughs> love to sit down with him for uh, over a couple of beers or a bottle of wine or a little, a uh, couple of little fingers of uh, whiskey or bourbon, because I just, I'd like to see him get loosened up a little bit and really let it ride. But uh, I was just so, <laughs> he makes me laugh. Uh, and I want, you know, as we were talking about, I mean, 
look at the people who've been on the show. Uh, Don Winslow, uh, 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 TJ Newman, uh, Lou Bernie. And I'm thinking, what would the chances of me, speaking of Shane Salerno, I would love to get him on the show. You know, we do agents and so forth and publishers. And I'm like, he would be a fun character mm-hmm. interview. Anyway, mm-hmm. that is my four. Are we down to number three now? You're down to your number three? I read um, some of Don Winslow's work this year, and that was City on Fire and City in Ruins. City in Ruins is, I think, coming out next. Wait, wait, wait. Then City on City Fire. City of Dreams. City of Dreams. Yeah. My style of reading or what I'm interested in are gener- generally gritty series. A big, thick book with a lot of depth and a lot of character. And I want to live in it, not just for one book, but give me a series of six books or, you know, three heavy duty books. And I am one happy girl. So when Don came out with this trilogy, um, I didn't read his, I didn't read the book that came out last year. I waited until the spring until the second book came out. And I sat down and plowed through those two books. I'm excited to see what happens with Danny in the next book. Yeah. But I'm also excited to see if Danny comes to life on the silver screen. Got a pretty good feeling that it's going to happen. And I'm with you. City on Fire was spectacular. And I thought I wasn't really quite sure. This sounds stupid for me to say. I didn't know if Don could top that one. But of course, he can and he did with mm-hmm. City of Dreams, which is my number two. Uh, but Don, the one thing about Don, yeah, okay, I gotta, you know, he's my hero and I love his books. But boy, he's got mm-hmm. he's got a way of telling stories. And the only thing that breaks my heart is the fact that after City of Ruins, he's retiring, supposedly retiring uh, at the end of uh, of that series in come April of next year. But we'll see. Let me jump back real quick with my number three before we go to your number one. But my number three, speaking of the Goldberg brothers and come to find out with an interview that you heard just heard on monday with todd goldberg gangsters don't die uh i saw todd hanging out with his brother at bowser here in san diego this past uh, summer and when i he was out there you know pimping gangsters don't die he handed me a copy he said here read it i'm like okay it sounds good because i love mobsters couldn't put this book down, dude. This that is, is n- yeah, number three on my list. One of the, well, top three favorite books of this year, just nonstop. And then as we were talking, as you heard on Monday or Tuesday, when we were talking, I, you know, I said, the way, the way you tell stories and your character development is so cerebral and so uh, magnificent and strong and palpable. I'm like, I got a half of a hankering to go back and get my MFA from UC Riverside as long as you're going to be the professor. And then he told me what the price was. And I'm like, okay, maybe I won't be doing that. But anyway, number three goes to Gangsters Don't Die. Number two goes to City of Dreams Don Winslow. And now we're down to Tammy's number one. I'm going to toss this out to a good friend of ours, Chris Hottie, Devil You Know. And Chris reminds me of how I speak about Meg Gardner. Yeah. Um, Both of these writers are intellectual writers. They have great story. They have great character development. Um, Just give me book. Like, I'll go back and I will read 
um, Chris's earlier work because I didn't do that. I just jumped into the story. But I just think that he's, first of all, he's a fun and fascinating guy. And I just, I love him. And so, you know, to be able to read his work and enjoy his work and like the way he crafts a story, um, it was just a delight to to see what he's like as a professional and and read his work. And I thought it was fantastic. So Chris Hottie is my number one dude. For those who don't know Chris Hottie, like we've gotten to know him, he's probably one of the funniest guys on the planet. There's only one guy funnier, in my opinion, and that's my old friend, Mike Gross. And one of these mm-hmm. days, I'm going to get Mike on the show just for the uh, kicks and giggles of it. Well, he could give uh, some input around TV series and production, that's for sure. Absolutely. Considering his line of work. Absolutely. Well, mm-hmm. so interesting that you'd pick Chris Hottie. Now, I because I have an absolute uh, obsession with uh, ties and this, that, and the other, I actually, and I'm a big Haley Chill uh, fan, I have a tie for number one, mm-hmm. and it's a tie between Chris Hottie and if it was just by a microscope and he's going to, he's going to kick me for this. I know, but my number one favorite. So he's my one B, but my one A is the spy coast by Tess Gerritsen. Yeah. And I think you've heard me talk about this. I have been raving about this since the minute I read it. I could not, I'm getting tired of that cliche. I keep saying I couldn't put the book down. I kept turning the pages. Either way, it's about retired spies, and it's just one of those absolutely perfectly balanced stories between character, enough intrigue, with no real serious action. The thrill is in the ride more than the gun, so to speak. But just Tess Gerritsen, of course, I had known of her, had never really read her. It's the kind of book when you finish reading it, and I told her this on the podcast a few weeks back, I said, Tess, now I've got to go back. So thanks thanks for devouring all my time and go read all your other books because Mm -hmm. it made me go, this craftsmanship is so magnificent. Anyway, I'm going to gloat too much, but that's my number one. Yeah, and you talked about Todd Goldberg in that same way with his his, um, work. Yeah, because- so it, it's fun for me when you step out of these conversations. It's how you feel like you take on the energy of this podcast. And so when you walk out the door and um, you just have have your feedback to share about the podcast and then I'm watching you read these books and I hear you share with me, I hear you share uh, the story and how much you're enjoying it. And there aren't a lot of people that you will say, I'm going to go back and read their earlier work. So when you make that comment, it's significant. Yeah. And the reason I say that, and it's going to, it's not a suck up and it's, I only have, I don't know about you, honey, but I only have 24 hours in a day. And, you know, it's, if I'm, I'm doing either one or two podcasts a week. So I'm reading at least two books a week. So, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to stay ahead of the curve. So if I'm doing debut authors and rock star top sellers of all time, it's kind of hard to go back into back catalogs. Um, so I save the back catalogs for vacations 
I heard that word once. I don't know exactly what a vacation is. I'm going to look it up on Webster's or something a little bit later. But anyway, so there's there's my top 10. I do have a best debut. Mm. However, it's a three-way tie. So mm. you're going to have to bear with me a second. These are three debuts of this year. It happens to be three guys. So gals, I'm sorry. It, these are just the three that stand out in my brain that I'm like, oh my goodness. These are, I, I want to come up with the debut because there's, there's so many great debuts. I want to do more of those, but I'm like, I only got so much time. Number one in the three-way tie is Unknown Rider by Jack Stewart. Mm. There's a Top Gun pilot who tells it like it is. Been there, done that. Mach one, rocking it. Number two, The Bitter Past by Bruce Borges. For some reason, that was one of the oh, most yeah. palpable, memorable books I've read this year. And I remember you talking about Bruce. Yeah. yeah. And then number three, another book that I'm like, this guy, if he can write the next three books as good as his debut, He's going to be a certifiable rock star. You can say this about all three of these guys, but that one, that phrase pops out of my mind when I talk about T.R. Hendricks and the book, The Instructor. So not only was that a good read, it took me to school. I'm a Boy Scout. I was nearly an Eagle Scout, and he taught me a few things uh, that you can use in survival that I did not know, and um, I'm taking them with me. So there you go. One more quick thing, only because... <laughs> your show. Take all the time you need, David. Thank you, honey. I have a book, uh, one category for most original. And when I say most original, it's a, it's, it has to do with the genre that I don't read a lot of. It's a very particular voice. It's a very particular characterization. It's a time, uh, a place in time. And it is Rick Blyweiss, Murder in mm -hmm. Haxford. You remember this TV show I got you turned on to? I grew up watching this TV show on public television called All Creatures Great and Small. Yeah. I got you caught up onto that world in the newer season. That's kind of Hercule Poirot. Remind yeah. that if you took Hercule and like uh, All Creatures Great and Small, mm -hmm. you kind of got Rick Lyewise. Again, family fun, good mystery storytelling. I remember you talking about, he has a couple of books like that, doesn't he? Yes. Uh, yeah. Number number two, he's working on number three. Let's do this because I know you and me, we have a list. I've got a stack sitting right here on my floor. One, two, three, four, five, five, six, seven books that are, these, these are books that I'm either, they're right in my queue for 24 or they're, so they're things that I'm anticipating or they're books that I wanted to squeeze in this year that I couldn't quite get to, and I'm going to read maybe over the holidays? I tend to lean towards, if we're just at home and I'm looking to read something, I lean towards more of like nonfiction work or like the newspaper mm -hmm. <laughs> um, or, um, you know, topical stories. That's where I tend to go on a day-to-day. If we're going to travel or if we're out of town, then that's usually when I have the opportunity. And maybe it's just bandwidth in my mind. You know, my headspace can only, I only have so much RAM drive left, David. <laughs> um, but I really enjoy Meg Gardner. Um, 
I'm interested in reading even more of her unsub series. And I know that she's coming out with a book in January. Chris Hottie is he maybe he will have something new that's going to come out in the you know new year or in the next uh, or in the near future. Let's put it that way. I'll read anything that he puts out there. And then kind of speaking to my earlier um, comment about I really enjoy um, well, historical fiction was what I read predominantly for years. And then, you know, that kind of switched. Life just turned and I don't have that opportunity to to fall into that too much anymore. But I have hel- held these particular books out there um, and I will make it there one of these days. But I'm really interested in reading Don Winslow's Cartel, The Border, uh, Power of the Dog, you know, that work really feeds to my interest. Mm-hmm. It feels non-fictional, docudrama-ish. I would say, you know, between Chris and Meg and Don, I probably have my hands full for the next couple of years on our on our travels. Well, I can tell you I have a very handsome bookshelf. It's actually right behind you where a stack of those people that you'd like to read. Uh, oh, well, it'd, be, it'd be over yeah, there. Are currently living, so yeah. I know where you can go. All right, here's three quick books that I have yet to read. Weapons Grade by Don Bentley, carrying on the Tom Clancy mm-hmm. timeline. The Peacock and the Sparrow by I.S. Barry mm-hmm. got a chance yeah. to speak with her briefly at Bowser Khan. It was like a 15-minute mm-hmm. conversation, but her... Yeah another literary thriller fiction writer, Andrews, Wilson, our pals, The Sandbox. That is is a couple of books. But books I'm looking forward to, I'm shadowing you here on this. Shadow Heart by Meg Gardner. Anything by Chris Hottie. Here's a few more. The Chaos Agent, which is right on the fringe of dropping. Mark Graney, always, Mm -hmm. always a good interview. Terry Hayes has a book called A Year of the Locust. I use it in the gym when there aren't any free weights available because it's almost a thousand pounds. So I use it as a bench press and it's really fantastic. Um, Nick Petrie has a book called Mm -hmm. The Price You Pay. Now, folks, if you haven't read any Nick, you got to get on that. He's just a flat-out superstar writer. Two more. Two, uh, two more. Greg Hurwitz, Lone Wolf. I've been wanting to talk to Greg forever. I saw him at Thriller Fest this past go and uh, stopped him. I'm like, Greg, what do I got to do to get you on the show? He said, uh, just reach out to my people, babe, and I'll, uh, I'll get it done. So we're doing that. And finally, this book just came in the mail this week. Debut author, John Lindstrom. The book is called Hollywood Hustle. He has a he knows a thing or two about it. Uh, and as I'm as I'm as I'm looking at the cover, and I've watched I follow this guy on Twitter and Instagram. Probably one of the kindest, most approachable, nicest guys he appears to be. And I made a comment to my beautiful wife here, and I said, God, why does why do when I look at him, why do I think soap opera star and she said hello as the world turns and true detective season two there could be a little starstruckness there a little bit from the wife's side but okay handsome you know um one person who we hold up as like just a true blue good guy Uh and we're always rooting for is jack carr 
Oh, 100%. You had him on the show mm-hmm. last May. You interviewed him at BoucherCon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you've read every one of his books. Yeah, all four of them. And five of them. Yeah. follow up to the terminal list should be coming out maybe in the new year now that the writer's strike has been uh, resolved. Chris Pratt, yeah. Yeah, I have such deep uh, admiration for Jack yeah. Carr. The yeah. guy, he, he's a good guy. He's genuine. He's approachable. He's warm. He's a marketing genius. He's got a good podcast. He's got a TV series. He's got movies. I mean, he's kind of like uh, my idol growing up was Michael Crichton because I, I loved his books. And I thought if I could ever be like any author, it would either be it would probably be Michael Crichton and, and, and Jack Carr is kind of that in that same, you know, he can kind of do it all. Uh, yeah. Plus he served our country for decades. So I'm just, yeah, huge fan, huge fan. Yeah. Well, that, that, that does it. I would like to wrap the show if you'd like to, as we wrap up 2023, here it is Friday, the 29th. We only have two more days until we uh, welcome in the new year. Of course, now, Tomorrow, Saturday the 30th, we celebrate our six-year wedding anniversary. Man, six years of bliss with this beautiful woman. I know. Six years. Yeah. It's been fantastic. Yeah. So I thought I would end the year with just a little something that we're both thankful for. And I'd love to start with you, if you would. Just things, just something off the top of your head that you've been thankful for that happened this year that is going to catapult you into the new year of 24. That's a pretty heavy question um, because I could go down a few different rabbit holes. I'm always grateful for our life. I feel like, you know, We've grabbed the moon by the tail, and we were just blessed. We have an incredible life. Um, we have good fortune. Our families are healthy. And I know with what's happening in our world today, just how precious our day-to-day experience is. So for that, I am always incredibly grateful for what we have and the ability to just Wake up every day, wake up to you and um, just our whole life experience. Yeah, because I'm pure joy every day, folks. Every day, pure joy. <laughs> you are, actually. Oh, oh you're sweet. Um, I would say I'm grateful if we stick with the this this world that we're talking about today. I'm really grateful for this community, for you. Um, You've developed great friendships. You've developed confidants, and you have a lot of supporters. And you have a lot of listeners who give you incredible feedback. They share your work, and um, I think seeing that at BoucherCon this year, I hadn't traveled to any of the book conferences, and I can just see why those conferences. Boucher Con, Thriller Fest, whatever else is out there, are really important and satisfying to your community because you all get together and you're all just sharing time and sharing space and experience in this microcosm of writers. So yeah. I'm I'm grateful for for the community that you 
work in. Thank you for that. And and I agree with that. I am. It's, you know, I say this to people, hey, yeah, you want to go to the conferences? Sure. You're going to learn a lot of stuff? Absolutely. You're going to make connections? 100%. But boy, talking about making, building relationships and knowing that real business, both heartfelt business and money business is done over maybe cocktails in the lobby. And, you know, Chris Hottie, I think about Chris Hottie. He's one of the, those guys that I met at Thriller Fest 2019. And we kind of struck up a friendship. And, you know, the thing that I'm thankful for, he's kind of involved in a little bit. So this year, I didn't talk much about it because I'm trying not to make a big spotlight on it. But I was diagnosed with cancer, prostate cancer, back right before BoucherCon, which was kind of a donkey punch and a surprise. And um, long story short, went through surgery, as some people know, and uh, am now cancer-free. So I'm very excited about that, very grateful for the time I have left. Thank, Thankful for you for supporting me and, and helping me through that, because it is not easy. You put that C word in a sentence, and it it makes you shudder, and it makes you realize how little time you got left, um, just kind of in general, if that were the case. And- mm-hmm. It gives perspective to yeah. running into a Matt Scott and his wife at Bowser Con, or who's the gentleman that drove down from Tahoe? Um, he's so supportive Michael of Carlson. the show. Yeah. Mike, Michael Carlson. Yeah. Uh, I could go on Steve Stratton, like meeting him for the first time. Uh, David Brown, meeting him for the first time. Um, that whole community. So I think that's the 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 icing on the gratitude cake of, you know, you went through this pivotal experience and you come out the other side and you have this great group of people who just support you. It doesn't matter where they fall on the, the successful, uh, ladder regardless. Everyone is there supporting one another. Yeah. And that's why I brought up Chris Hardy because he was one of those guys that I told him right away. I don't know why, I guess, cause we're, we're pretty close in age and he was like, dude, I'll be there right by your side, yeah. whatever you need. And he was he was on the and phone yeah, and checking on me. And Steve Stratton has become a really, really good friend. I believe in that guy. But it's the people who have just lifted me up and helped me through this time. So I just want to say thank you for that, for the, fo- for the folks who do know and now everyone knows. And uh, it does, uh, you know, it has spawned uh, a nonfiction book that I'll be sharing sometime in the future. And it is also because of the lessons that I've learned, <laughs> some of which has to be has to do with how your body will react with some kind of a major surgery, is that uh, you know it has spawned other interests. So there may there is a uh, hint of a potential uh, another podcast maybe coming down the road in 24. We don't know, but uh, that's the room. Anyway, so I'm thankful for that. I'm mostly thankful, besides the health for you for just always being such a love and consistent and kind and beautiful. Mm. (laughs) We have a magical life and a magical relationship. It's pretty good. And for that, I'm incredibly grateful. Folks, for our listeners, for our viewers who have followed the Thriller Zone uh, in 2023, thank you for making season uh, both five and six so killer. If you'd like to uh, stick around, we're going to have you season seven come on up in uh, 24. 
If you'd like to be on the show, you can reach out to us. You can, of course, follow us at thethrillerzone.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash thethrillerzone. We're on X, Instagram, at the Thriller Zone. Facebook, I think we're also there. So we're just uh, Thriller Zone, of course. But uh, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to reach out. You can, of course, hit our email, thethrillerzone at gmail.com. But we are anticipating a uh, pretty spanky new year in 24. We got some things up our sleeve that we want to do. You're going to see more sit down face to face like we did with Jack Stewart and Steve Stratton. Hopefully we'll be able to do more traveling. We're going to come see you where you are, author friend, and sit down with you and see what your life is about and what kind of books you're writing. So uh, a lot of good things to stay in tune for. So folks, make it a great remainder, tail end of your holiday, kick off the new year, be safe, enjoy your time, keep your family close, happy new year, and we'll see you in the new year for another edition of the Thriller Zone. Pop, pop. Nice, babe. There you go. Burp, 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 burp. Oh. Mm-hmm.